This episode is brought to you by Catan. This summer looks a bit different than most summers. We're staying at home for the most part, and we're finding ourselves looking for new activities to enjoy at home. Catan is a board game for three to four players, ages 10 and up, although younger kids can play with adult guidance. It is a great way to keep families engaged in off screens, even if it's just for a little while. And those opportunities are hard to come by. And it's really easy to pick up. Get Catan at catanshop.com slash mom. Listeners of our podcast get 10% off the original base game Catan by using the promo code mom at checkout. Offer not good on other Catan titles or merchandise. Xfinity XFi is more than just fast. It's internet that gives you peace of mind security. Because if it's connected, it's protected. Yeah, even your robot vacuum. Can your internet do that? Learn more at Xfinity.com slash XFi. Hey, this is Annie. And Samantha. And welcome to Stuff Mo Never Told You, a prediction of iHeartRadio's How Stuff Works. Today, we are talking about Emotional Labor, Holiday Edition. Um, if, if you all remember, a while back, Bridget and I did an episode on Emotional Labor, but today we're focusing specifically on the holidays. The holidays. And the work that a lot of women do to make the holidays happen. Ugh. And Samantha and I have already talked about how the holidays are a bit of a source of stress for us. Least favorite. <laughs> I like the holidays. I'll put that out there, but they are extremely stressful. They are not relaxing for me at <laughs> all. I have, in general, a problem relaxing, so hard right. to say. Right. Um, so in my case, when I look at what's stressing me, it's the planning, the shopping, the making of food, plus vegetarian because of my little brother. Of course. Um, getting the timing of everything right, bringing all the decorations down from the attic, and that's down sets of stairs, um, setting them up, getting the tree, setting that up, the lights, the ornaments, hanging outside lights, finding gifts, wrapping them, writing cards, cleaning. And then the worst part, putting everything away. It's just me out just typing it. Yeah, I don't do any of those stuff, and I'm still stressed. <laughs> I barely, like, all of my uh, family members get gift cards. I am the best, worst, worst, best Mm -hmm. gift giver because, you know, I give them what they want, but it's not very creative. Oh, we're going to talk about that a little bit Mm -hmm. more. That's interesting. Mm -hmm. I will say, I'm just going to throw this out here. From the research I read, a lot of people do like gift cards. I don't. I'd rather get no gift at all. I would rather have something. If you were going to give me a gift card, I want it to be something that I will use. So if you give me a gift card to Panera, mm-hmm. Starbucks, I'm not going to be as happy. Oh, no. Because I don't go to those places right, often. Right, no, I'm just kidding. Right? Although, don't get me wrong, sometimes soup is delicious. See, what I don't like about gift cards, I'm wondering if any of my relatives are going to listen to this. Well, I'll say it. I don't like that you can't, I don't know how much is on it. And right. I don't like the moment of, I have no idea how much this is going to get me. Right. Especially when it comes to um, bank gift cards, because I really would just rather have money or a check right. if that's going to be what it is. Yeah. Um, I think I probably have at least $27 right. on past gift cards. I just... Yeah, it is It is a nice little uh, trick because either you can't spend it all. Right. Or you're going to spend that and then extra on right. top of that. So right, right, right. It is, it's a good little gimmick. It, it is a gimmick. That's our, <laughs> we're coming out strong against <laughs> gift cards. I like gift cards, like I said. Oh, uh, well, agree to disagree <laughs> on this point. Um, 
Numerous studies have found that women experience an increase in psychological stress during the holidays greater than what men experience, and that this increase in stress is worst in the U.S. I actually really enjoyed uh, one of the interview subjects, um, a male interview subject, when asked about this. He said, I thought people feel stressed during the holidays. I thought they were, like, relaxing. I don't, I've never heard of this. <laughs> I wanted to hug him and be like, oh, you wonderful. <laughs> Someone's really been making this happen You've for you. You've been very happy and blessed. Yes. Hashtag blessed. Hashtag blessed. Um, from a 2006 survey conducted by Greenberg Quinian Rosner, quote, holiday stress has a particular impact on women who take charge of many of the holiday celebrations, particularly the tasks related to preparing meals and decorating the home. Women are more likely than men to report an increase of stress during the holiday season. In addition, they have a harder time relaxing during the holidays and are more likely to fall into bad habits to manage their stress, like comfort eating. Women are much more likely to shoulder the work burden during family celebrations. During Thanksgiving, women are nearly twice as likely to report that they will cook. 66% of women versus 35% of men shop for food. 52% of women versus 32% of men and clean, dirty dishes, 70% of women versus 41% of men. Men, on the other hand, are nearly twice as likely as women to report that they will watch football. Yep. 26% of women versus 46% of men. So that's the end of the quote. That was a whole big quote. Right. Um, only a quarter of women feel that they can relax during the holidays was another thing it found. Um, and the main reasons women gave for their stress were money, pressure of buying and wrapping gifts, and lack of time. Another study found women are twice as likely, yeah, to be behind the holiday feast. Oh, yeah. My mom is definitely a prime example yeah. of all of these things. Yeah. My mom gets very, very, very stressed out. And then my dad gets stressed out watching her, and so he gets angry. Oh. And will, like, be a little snide with her. Yeah. And then she will get more angry and more anxious because of that and right. eventually call him a ass which is a holiday tradition. And I'm really <laughs> excited. I hope, I'm sure my, my niece may actually hear this. And do, please don't report this <laughs> to my mother. Um, but it's become kind of a holiday tradition where she finally just breaks and become very country uh-huh. <laughs> and wow. call him a shit ass. Um, and then she, uh, but she has this whole expectation that it must be perfect. And yeah. these are the things that she has to do. She doesn't want to ask anybody for help. Mm. It's finally gotten to the point that my sister and sister-in-laws are able to take a little bit of the responsibility and she'll allow it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but she also decorates in themes. So she decorates in all of the homes and it is like Christmas threw up everywhere. <laughs> everywhere. <laughs> and it's uh, a themed Christmas. Yes, because so one side may be like country, okay. quaint Christmas, uh-huh. and the other is it's like fancy French Christmas, like, uh-huh. it's just absurd. And, and I walk in, there's wreaths at the beginning. There's probably lights already on the outside. You go in, and there is the fake snow, cotton snow everywhere with a little bit of glitter and oh. all these figurines, stockings everywhere. It is a thing. And and, and wow. I feel, yes, I've been very lucky, lucky and privileged to be able to celebrate it that way. Yeah. But to me, I'm like, that's not worth it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I, I'll say that's a lot more than what I am doing. Yeah. I, no. My mother enjoys this stuff. I, well, well, yeah. To an extent. Yeah. To an extent. And that, that is something to say is that some women really enjoy this and, and they like thrive in it. Oh, I'm, and it makes me stressed out because I'm not creative mm-hmm. and I'm not very, uh, what's the word, cutesy and homey. Okay, yeah. So I'm, I have no knowledge of doing that. I have sure. always get the sad Charlie Brown tree. <laughs> Because I think it's fantastic sure. and have a few little um, 
ridiculous trinkets on there. Mm-hmm. I think I bought some shiny balls. Yes, I did. Yeah. Um, to put on there, red, silver, and gold. Yeah. Because I don't like the typical. Uh-huh. Um, oh. You know, you know. And then, yeah. but that's it. that's it. And then my friend bought me two little baby stockings for myself and my dog. Oh, that's cute. Right. Yeah. I don't buy that for myself. <laughs> my, um, I put up a tiny, sad Charlie Brown tree in my little apartment that yes. you've seen. Yes, um, And all of my ornaments are Harry Potter, Doctor Who, like is. Captain America. So it's a very personalized tree to yes. me, yes. which I like. Um, and kind of going back to what you were saying about your dad getting stressed watching your mom, my dad used to, it's almost like he wanted to be involved. Right. Especially with shopping. And then he would get so impatient and annoyed with the shopping that we would have to leave early and we didn't even get done what we had to get done. Right. So we're going to come back and talk to the, talk more about that in a little bit. Um, but, okay, no surprise that this added stress we're talking about is not good for our health. Research shows that it can lead to anxiety and depression, specifically research into holiday stress. Um, there's a pressure to always do more. I should be doing this or that, especially when children are involved, um, feeling like a failure, like you're not meeting these standards that you're you're putting on yourself or that you feel like society is placing on you, um, is not a good mental state. Not at all. No. All right, so what are we talking about? What's going on here? Several things, actually. So a quick recap for me as well, because I wasn't here to do the emotional labor episode. Mm-hmm. But emotional labor means, essentially, it's unpaid, usually unnoticed emotional labor we do for those around us to keep them comfortable and happy. And women do the bulk of it, or they do in our pop culture definition. The term emotional labor was originally coined in 1979 by Arlie Russell Hochschild and applied to what the labor workers in the service industry do to ensure a customer's happiness by putting on a happy face, basically. So she argues that we overuse it these days and that we've severely muddled the original definition. But she does agree that there is something happening and we don't quite have the language to express when we talk about women and emotional labor. In her mind, we're conflating perfectionism and simple labor, sometimes mental, with emotional labor. Emotional labor does vary culturally. Some things Americans point to as emotional labor, other cultures would view differently. And we would love to hear any of the differences from our listeners. So if y'all yeah. know or can say any of the differences, please let us know. Yes, please. So during the holidays, this work, emotional, mental, or just labor, whatever you want to call it, increases exponentially. The planning part is really key. That that background mental energy that you're expending on an enormous scope of people, gifts, food, decorations, all of those things. If the expectation is for the holidays to be perfect and magical, um, if they aren't, which of course they won't be perfect, um, it feels like failing. And that is a lot of pressure. Making the holidays happen is work, and largely it is and has been women's work. It's work, yes, some women really love, um, but others, not so much. Or maybe it's just overwhelming and exhausting. Maybe, like me, it's something I do enjoy, but it's a lot. Yeah. And I don't enjoy it, so I try to avoid it at all costs. Yes. Well, it seems like you've been fairly successful. So congrats. <laughs> you're not failing. You're succeeding. I'm succeeding and not caring. Yeah, there you go. Historically, women have been responsible for making the holidays happen. Going back to the 18th century and probably even earlier, before women entered the workforce, is a part. it was a part of their duties as a housewife. 
This duty has been solidified through various time periods and by various institutions, cultural movements, and societal constructs like the cult of domesticity, the cultivated image of the perfect housewife and mother, and even religion. Kirk Cameron recently posted a video um, directed at women in which he said, let your children, your family see your joy in the way that you decorate your home this Christmas, in the food that you cook, the songs you sing, the stories you tell, and the traditions you keep. In several Christian circles, this is still viewed, all of those things still viewed as a women's duty um, to make Christmas run smoothly for her family. Oh, that quote made me nauseous. It's, It's not good. Yeah. It's really not good. If you love it, then love it. Yeah. And you do you. But, yeah, don't base your status and whether or not you're doing well as a parent or a wife on that BS. Yeah. Yeah, nah. (laughs) Um, And even as women have gotten jobs, the expectation that we'll take charge of the holidays hasn't changed. Oh, and also, just to be clear, being a housewife is a job. It's a hard job. It is very hard. It's just an unpaid and unvalued one. Um, and yeah, why is it that women's work isn't seen as real work? It's just something we're expected to do without pay, without recognition, and perhaps it might even cost us to do it. Hmm, interesting. Christmas is expensive. It is Those so decorations expensive. Are expensive. Yes, we're gonna get more into that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. Um, as we've discussed on the show, women are still doing more of the housework when compared to men in heterosexual relationships or situations. They also are doing more of the household budgeting, which is a major headache during the holidays, obviously. And also obvious, being responsible for gifts and thoughtful ones can put a dent in a woman's finances, a huge dent. Going back to those top reasons for holiday stress, two of them, gift-giving and money, are all wrapped up into this. And this further penalizes lower- and middle-class women who might be working more than one job and are unable to afford childcare or other help that could alleviate some holiday stress. So women spend considerably more time and money when it comes to gifts, more out of buying for a wider network of people than a one on one comparison. Yeah. So to kind of explain that a bit more, we did want to focus on gift giving for a second because that is such a huge part of holiday stress. Way, 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 way back. Um, Host, past host Kristen and Molly did an episode on whether men or women were, are better at gift giving. So you can find that in the archive if you want. But right now, brief overview. There is actually a decent amount of research around gender differences in gift giving. Um, And that research has found that in general, gift giving is important to our social relationships around the world. Bad gifts can negatively impact relationships and men are far more judgmental of bad gifts while women are more likely to downplay disappointment to protect the relationship and the other person's feelings. And women buy gifts for a wider group of friends. Um, so they spend more money on gifts. And they are generally better at selecting gifts. This sort of goes back to what we discussed in our original emotional labor episode, that women are more willing to put in the work and invest in friend groups um, other than men. Uh, that that goes back to, I know we brought it up recently in our heartbreak episode, but how female widowers generally have more positive health outcomes than male widowers, and they think it has to do with this wider support group. Um, The research suggests 
that it has to do with this better gift giving has to do with interpersonal interest, which is having an interest in other people, and interpersonal reactivity, which is the ability to take on another person's perspective. It could also have to do with reputation um, or to create a sense of superiority or indebtedness or to show off and or this expectation that we put on women that we keep talking about that you have to be good at these things. Yep. Yeah. Um, the research has also found women are both more likely to give and to receive, and that men with more egalitarian views and gay men were more likely to be more involved in gift giving. One study found that male-to-male gifts only accounted for 4% of gift giving. It also found that a lot of male gift giving, um, in a lot of male gift giving, the gift is actually picked out and sometimes purchased and wrapped by the woman in the context of heterosexual relationships. Makes my heart hurt. If that's how you like it to be, great. Why no presents, bro? (laughs) My mom definitely did this. And you know, the letter always says, like, in her handwriting Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. to Susan from Michael. Like, "Mm." I do have a tradition where my father sends me Valentine's Day candy and Uh has for years. And he is so proud of the fact that he has picked out the candy for me, the specific whatever Mm -hmm. handpicked. And make sure to tell me, I picked this out for you so I know (laughs) that it wasn't my mother. Right, 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 right. Um, Yet another study into gift giving found women view gift giving as a responsibility, an obligation to be checked off of a list that they sometimes enjoy and sometimes don't. Uh, Whereas men see it as a chance to get something for someone else that brings them, as in the men, pleasure. Uh, A lot of these studies were conducted in Western societies, though. So again, would love to hear from listeners from elsewhere. From a study called The Perfect Present, Gift-Giving and Gender Norms, among gifters, women rule. They not only spend more time on gifts and give gifts to more people, but they also invest more of their ideas, of themselves, and the relationships in the process. This is part of what makes women the single largest consumer group worldwide. If we align these findings with poverty statistics, we can extrapolate that gender expectations and social pressures around gifting stress women both economically and psychically. Poverty rates are higher among women, and more than half of all children living in poverty are cared for primarily by their mothers. The average person celebrating Christmas, Kwanzaa, and or Hanukkah will spend $804.42, up nearly 5% over last year's actual $767.27, according to Prosper Insights, an analytic study. We could also bring into the conversation gender toys and the impact that it has on reinforcing gender contracts. And you can listen to our action figure episode for more on that. Yes. And then there's the whole thing of giving women sexy lingerie, which they might totally be into, but in straight relationships, unless a woman specifically asks for it, to me, it feels like it might be more of a gift for the dude or like also a vacuum or something. Unless, again, the person specifically asks for it enthusiastically. I really want this. Right. Yeah. I really want an air fryer oven. Oh, she said it here. I said it. <laughs> <laughs> noted, noted. Um, and there's a great example of this whole thing in The Simpsons when Homer buys Marge a bowling ball that has his name engraved in it and it is cut to fit his fingers. Perfect. Yes. Um, in all fairness, I'll, I'll be fair, I was guilty of trying to convince my little brother he really wanted whatever video game I really wanted when we were children, and he usually did. We had similar taste. But I'd be lying if I said I was being altruistic. <laughs> I just really wanted that game. I usually I my list so is so much. long, and I'm like, well, I got to put some things on his right. list. You're like, I love you 
you so much. So you would love this gift. You I would think. really dig it. Um, anecdotally, continued anecdotally, my dad never wrapped gifts, and the stuff he gave me was usually a random assortment of items, like a football a few years ago. Uh, yeah, no. Uh, that sometimes I liked. A lot of times I didn't. I do the bee. My bee, that was one of the yes. random gifts that I think he just didn't think I'd like, but I really did. <laughs> uh, my mom, on the other hand, gets me stuff based on something I said in a random conversation months ago. Uh, I know a lot of the studies have also shown that um, women shop for Christmas all year round. Men start right. like the week of Christmas. And that uh, is definitely my mother. She she shops all year round. She sees a good sell. She will get it. Yeah. That is what I've discovered. Uh, for me, she actually buys based on past likes. Oh, yeah. So I may no longer like it, but it has a tradition to it. Sure. So I'll still end up getting it. It was kind of like those wooden angels. I said one time I liked one, oh, and I've got yeah. about 50. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what to do with them. Yeah. I have an aunt who did the same thing. I actually don't even remember saying, I like teacups, and I can't drink tea, but she gets me a teacup every, every year, year. So It's thoughtful. It is thoughtful, and they're pretty. I yeah. kind of use them as decoration. Um, I remember once my ex-boyfriend, he I can't remember why, but he was showing me a screenshot of his laptop, uh, and it was around Christmas time, and one of the tabs was how to wrap a gift, and that made me laugh pretty Look, good. I'm awful at wrapping gifts, and my mother is queen. Yeah. She is the Martha Stewart of wrapping. Oh, it's really? always a piece of art. Like, <laughs> I really wish I could show you. I will. I'll take pictures, pictures yes, this year. Yes, please do. But all of us feel guilty in trying to open these presents because it's so elaborately beautiful. Yeah. And I'm like... Okay, I'm just gonna put some brown tape on it. Yeah. Maybe I'll put the newspaper here right. and my name onto the bag. Awesome. Yeah. I always say gift bags are my favorite thing. Yeah, I like gift bags and tissue paper. I do. Um, I wrap my mom's gift because she wraps mine. And I used to be really good at wrapping, and something's gone terribly wrong. <laughs> I don't know. I lost it somewhere. I lost my mojo. Um, one year, I got pretty much everyone in my life a gift a couple years ago, and that was a very expensive endeavor. Um, but I have this note on my phone that I open when anyone mentions something that I think would be a good gift for them. So it kind of just... I'm more of someone I'd rather get a gift that I know you'll really love than just buy you something because it's Christmas time. Right. Um, and thus, I've got to get you something. Thus far, you've done really well with my gifts. Yes. I just take you out for drinks. <laughs> oh, I love that, though. <laughs> I'd rather have that almost always. <laughs> um, and I do want to say here, I have plenty, plenty, plenty of female friends who are terrible at gifts. Apologies, you know who you are. Um, and I, Wait, is that to me? No, it's not you. I, again, I love drinks. That's number one. <laughs> um, and I have a few male friends who are really great at them. Um, so these are these are generalities with, supported by research, but they're still kind of, there are obviously exceptions. Um, and it's really the societal expectation and pressure that's the heart of the issue here. If that's something that you love to do, it's great. I used to be really good at it and very thoughtful. I just got really tired. It's exhausting. It's <laughs> probably the main point of this episode right. could really just be it's also, exhausting. As we're getting older, it's harder and harder to get you something yeah. that you may not already have bought yourself. Sure. Or yeah. that you, you know, you don't necessarily need. Yeah. It's kind of hard because it's kind of like 
oh, I have everything. What, is, what do you give someone who has everything? Right, right, right. Same right. conversation. In our society, we assume that it's in women's nature to be more thoughtful and more able to manage the emotions of others. It comes with the territory of being emotional, which we all know isn't true. These things don't just come naturally or easily for all of us. Also, these emotions of ours only seem to be good when they're boosting men in some way. And other studies have found because women are painted as more caring and giving, they feel the need to perceive themselves that way. So nevertheless, the expectation contributes to an environment that rewards men for doing what women are simply expected to do and punished for not doing it. And studies have found that women do a brunt of the work of kinship, that is, an interpersonal network of family and friends, whether they are hers or not. Basically, the work of maintaining social ties, which absolutely is work. In a heterosexual context, if the wife or mom dies, the work is left undone. And it was spoken about in the emotional labor episode. And one study posits that because the holidays are primarily about children, and traditionally children have been women's responsibilities by proxy, the holidays um, and making them magical has always become or is women's responsibilities. Yeah, um, I found a really interesting study about the work behind what we culturally conceive as love that really made me think about the gender differences and how we expect people to express love. For women, I would argue that this planning of the holidays has gotten twisted up with how we demonstrate our love and at the same time our value. Like, look at how much I'm contributing. Um, And I'm not saying it's wrong if that's how someone truly wants to show their love, but the obligation to do so or else be judged as not loving or caring, that's that's a problem. Um, For me, uh, my brothers, I'll say they will help if I ask with all of these things, the decorations in particular. But then it's my responsibility to delegate, to show them uh, how to do everything, um, and them growing increasingly more annoyed. Uh, and all the while, the expectation is that I am the one that will do it and that helping me is something that they do. I have the kindness of their hearts, um, and it should be complimented. Right. Whereas I'm just going to, I guess, spend my day doing this. Uh, anyway, um, and now we've got to talk about the kids. Oh, the children. The children. But first, we've got to take a quick break for a word from our sponsor. This episode is brought to you by BetterHelp. So we know, listeners, it's been rough for a lot of people out there, and we've been very open about our experiences with therapy and how it's been so helpful for us in the past and in the present. And because of that, we wanted to highlight a service that we think might be of help to you all, BetterHelp, which offers licensed online counselors who are trained to listen and to help. You can talk with your counselors in a private online environment at your own convenience from wherever you're comfortable. And BetterHelp counselors have expertise in a broad range of areas. They can give you access to help that might not be available in your area. And you just have to fill out a questionnaire to help assess your specific needs and then get matched with a counselor in under 48 hours. BetterHelp is an affordable option and our listeners get 10% off your first month with a discount code MOMSTUFF. Get started today at betterhelp.com slash momstuff. That's better H-E-L-P.com slash momstuff. Talk to a therapist online and get help. This episode of Stuff I Never Told You is brought to you by Catan. 
This summer looks a lot different than most. We're staying at home for the most part, and many events we usually look forward to are canceled. We find ourselves looking for new activities to enjoy at home. Catan is a board game for three to four players ages 10 and up, although many younger kids can play with initial adult guidance. It's a great way to keep families engaged and off screens, even if it is just for a little while. And those opportunities are hard to come by. Unlike the roll your dice, move your mice games, this is a little different. What are your experiences? The first time I played Catan was at our office game night. And it was so fun. It was quick to pick up. It was easy. It was social. We made it really competitive because we're a competitive group, but you don't have to. And what I thought was just going to be a, a short game among friends turned into an epic game night that we shall remember forever. <laughs> hours we played. Hours. And uh, yes, I lost. But I had fun. You had fun. <laughs> well, obviously, it keeps you really social. And like you said, it is really easy to pick up, which is really nice right now. This year is the 25th anniversary of Catan. Get Catan at catanshop.com slash mom. Listeners of the podcast get 10% off the original base game Catan by using the promo code MOM at checkout. Offer not good on other Catan titles or merchandise. And we're back. Thank you, sponsor. Okay, so I'm a single lady. Are you? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and I've got enough stress Thank you very much. Um, and Samantha and I have talked about the single lady stress of being asked by all your family members why you're single around the holidays. But I have plenty of female friends who have children, and they have things on their plate that I don't when it comes to the holidays. A lot, a lot of very stressful things. Right. So many things. Yes. Taking pictures for holiday cards, also expensive, um, and sending those out, booking the photographer, finding outfits, choosing the best photo, handwriting messages and addresses, taking the kids to see Santa, baking cookies for a holiday function at school, tipping the post worker, contacting everyone and wishing them happy holidays on both sides of the family if a significant other is involved. This is one of my biggest pet peeves. I do not like that. Again, if you like it, good for you. But why am I suddenly having to contact your mom and tell her happy holidays? <laughs> Anyway, that's, that's my problem. Um, getting gifts for the kids, hiding those gifts, making Christmas magical. That might involve, you know, uh, one year my my parents did a whole, they got on the roof and yeah. it was a whole thing. And I, I, I mean, it really did. It made it magical. It but did. my gosh, it must have been so much work. A new one, moving the elf on the shelf. Constantly. 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 And smiling through all of that. Um, that is a lot of work and, again, exhausting. Sure, one of the biggest things when um, we're, you're looking at arguments around emotional labor, what we have sort of pop-culturally been calling emotional labor, just don't do those things then. Um, and if you don't, you could not do them, but it would come at the cost of disappointment of loved ones, maybe voice disappointment. Right, as yeah. well as probably judgment from some. Judgment, and in the case of a kid... It's sad. Yeah. Yeah. I sad. Yeah. Um, it's expected that women will consider the feelings of others, so not doing so is seen as a failure. And with kids involved, this expectation, reinforced by an enormous library of holiday movies and women's magazines, is all the higher. Right. And obviously, Kurt Cameron's little comment right. that was recently made. And I think it is fair to say... I know in my friend groups, the men or the partners and spouses have have absolutely it's 50-50 for them, and they will do a lot of it as well now 
Yeah. But as we see, it's still not the cultural norm, and it should be. Right. Absolutely. Um, in my family, I, w- I was just thinking of the little things my mom did that made it magical that I probably didn't appreciate how much work and planning went into them. One of my favorites was um, we make gingerbread cookies every year, uh, which requires at least one day to let the dough chill in the fridge um, and a lot of cleaning afterwards, a very messy cookie to make. Um, she also used to make the gingerbread man or woman, one of them, would run away and would leave clues around the house as to its whereabouts. She did this for the first time when I was 14, and I loved it. Wow. Like, I immediately fell in love with the whole thing. Um that's really elaborate. <laughs> yeah, it was so fun. She knows I'm really competitive. Like I've said in previous episodes, she still hides Easter eggs for me. Yes. Um, but because I loved it so much, it became a thing she did every year. And she confided in me once I became older that she found it really stressful. Because eventually, like, you run out of clue ideas. Right. Like, where else is it going to go? Right. Um, so things like that, they really do involve a, a lot more than perhaps we recognize. Right. Um, she also used to get out her fanciest dishes, but over the years, to make the holidays less stressful, we don't do that anymore. All right. My family has changed holiday meals a lot, mm-hmm. and it's become, rather than the full feast, yeah. sometimes it's become sandwiches. Oh, yeah. <laughs> because my mom's like, I'm not doing it this year. <laughs> That's fair, mom. That's fair. Uh, sometimes she will do a lasagna, so like an Italian throwback. Which yeah. Nobody in my family is Italian, by the way. <laughs> um, and so she would do things like that, as well as like Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. If we had a giant feast during Thanksgiving, Christmas is going to be lesser. Oh, really? That's what we like. It's just okay. kind of because she's like, I do all of this. Right. And she puts so much on her, her plate. Sure. We all end up saying, okay, that's fine. Yeah. That's fine. We're just going to eat sandwiches. I love sandwiches. But that's still elaborate sandwiches. My mom has four types of bread mm. that's on the table, as well as five meats or options as well as a lot of sides. So it's still mm-hmm. elaborate, but yeah. Uh, she's As we've gotten older, right. she would slow down. But mm-hmm. now that the ch- grandchildren are older, she's kind of come back to that mentality a little right. bit, trying to celebrate for the younger kids. But right, now right, they have right. great grandkids. Yeah, we were there, yeah. So it's kind of like back to, okay, we're celebrating a little less because they don't know what, exactly what's going on. Right. And all of her grandkids are teenagers, so right. they don't care as much, and right. we're all adults, so... But it's a whole thing. It is. Um, uh, that's something that I've... Uh, and I don't want to make it sound like... So I cook the meal, but my mom is there the whole time, and she's she helps, and um, I have made it into a thing that I enjoy. It's just the stress and the obligation, mostly of the, the planning and making sure everything comes out at the right time. Um, and we have slowly... And it's mostly me to the annoyance of everyone else. But since I'm cooking it, I'm like, we're not cooking that anymore because I don't really like it. And if you want it, you can cook it. Um, so our menu has also gotten a little bit more condensed. Yeah. Um, You've taken a lot more responsibility. I guess you are the only female in your family as I'm the youngest and I'm right. not the only female. Yeah. It is kind of going to my sister and my sister-in-laws and I just kind of show up. I'm still treated like a teenager, which is cool. (laughs) Yeah, you're like, I'm going to sit at the kids' table, not do things. Great. I actually was thinking about that the other day and and I was trying to reason out why, in my personal experience, the women do make the holidays happen. And one of them is the whole reason I started cooking is um, I had it in my head. I I was in high school. I thought, you know, when I get married... 
I, I won't know how to cook anything. So I asked my mom one year, I want to learn how to cook all of the things that you cook so I can make it for what I thought I was going to have my own family and I want to be able to do it. And just that tradition of passing on recipes and, and traditions. Right. Um, and then, then from there, it just became the next year was a practice year, and now every year is <laughs> practice <Your turn>. year. <laughs> That's okay. I It's mostly my fault. That's okay. Um, also, my mom has a policy of silly hats, so we won't fight with each other. That is surprisingly effective, and I think I should write a blog post about it. If you know <laughs> how to deal with the holidays. Silly hats. Um, But that's another example of managing the emotions of others. And it does feel like the holidays have been sold as this wonderful time where everyone is happy. And if that doesn't happen, then you're doing them wrong or something's gone wrong. And the job of everyone making everyone happy falls so often to women. Um, And a lot of us, I'm sure a lot of listeners, uh, we don't get along with our family all the time. So it's like this one time of year, we're all performing. And if only we can make it this holiday, great then we can stay together. If if I can make this one good enough, I can keep this family together. And that's something that I really internalized. Um, my I've recently come to realize that my need to make people happy is so strong and it's so much a part of how I've defined myself for so long. I literally sometimes feel like I'm a comedian coming on stage after the last comedian who totally bombed and I've got to like salvage this situation. And it's it's tiring, um, but it, it's to the point that I made $20. Somebody gave me $20 at my dad's wake for being entertaining. Entertaining. That's yeah. the best. Yeah, I'm always seen as the sarcastic, witty one, so I'll come in with a little bit of banter and then just sit quietly in hopes that no one brings up politics. Oh. That's my new family tradition. Yeah. <laughs> It's a good one. <laughs> so we see this in so many holiday movies. Yeah. The dad is working too hard, neglecting his kid or his kids, forgets to get the gift, burns the food, which sounds like the, the Santa Claus. The, the Claus. Santa is one. That's Santa a great Claus. example. The Santa yep. Claus, yeah. Yep. He realizes he has to put in some effort. Even if you look at Santa Claus, as yeah. I said, uh, he gets all the credit for delivering these toys one day a year. But Mrs. Claus is doing all the stuff behind the scenes all the time thanklessly, and gets no credit. Yeah. Uh, so in A Bad Mom's Christmas, in which one of the characters says, your mom, moms don't enjoy, we give joy. Yeah, I find that I, there's only a handful of, I'm much more a Halloween horror movie person. Yes. But there are a handful of um, holiday movies I watch every year, and I find that the plot line is always, man, working too hard, wife is doing all this stuff in the background and like, one day you're going to be so upset that you miss this time with whoever, poor Johnny. And then they do, one, they get like one gift. Yeah. And it's like, ah, it was the perfect gift. But a lot of times it was the wife who said you should have gotten that months ago. Right. (laughs) Right. It really is. I try to watch all of these holiday movies because I feel like I'm failing because I don't like Christmas and I've tried to make myself Uh like it. And that has a lot of emotional trauma and baggage in that, and which mm-hmm. is the reason I don't like it. But I do love watching holiday movies, trying to get into the spirit. And mm-hmm. uh, one of and my family watches it too. My dad's favorite movie is The Santa Claus, Yeah, as we just recently talked about. But it is hilarious because he is an awful father. Yeah. <laughs> and the only redeeming thing is he gets tricked into being Santa Claus, who then again neglects his kid because he has to be Santa Claus. <laughs> yeah. But everything's okay because he's Santa Claus. Right. Like, it's just amazing. And the mom looks like the bad guy, just like in everything else. Yeah. Um, step, stepdad in this one is just a complete idiot. 
portrayed as an idiot anyway. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I also like that movie, but it is funny how it reminds me of, there's this list called the Iceman list. And it's about how if you rewatch a lot of movies from the 80s, the bad guy is actually probably right. Right, um, right. And the the mom in that movie, I feel, if you had an ex who all of a sudden gained all this weight and looked a certain way and was saying, well, this, the son is saying the Santa Claus, I would have some concerns. <laughs> be like, hey, I think that's legitimate. <laughs> he's not mentally stable. And this yes. is how he's trying to win my child over. Oh, boy. Now we're going on a different road. Uh, be on the lookout for the Santa Claus, the feminist movie Friday. <laughs> um, another thing uh, I wanted to bring up is magazines because I've noticed around this time magazines filled with recipes and life hacks to make it look like pulling off the holidays is so easy. So it's supposed to look effortless. Um, And I've also found so many advice pieces and articles researching for this episode about how to fit in all the holiday things that you need to fit in on top of a full-time job with children in the mix and make it look easy. Um, And that's part of the, the equation too here. Not only are we putting in all of this hard work we're acting like it's not hard work. We're hiding it away. Um, and I feel like this is something as women, we're conditioned to not complain, to be graceful under pressure. Right. Otherwise, you'll be the bad type of emotional. Right. You need to uh, show that you have it all. And that means you've gotten mm-hmm. all of your holiday decor <laughs> perfect place. Yeah, so many movies also about that, about putting up the... Usually, I find it in movies, men do that part, though, but putting up the lights and competing with your neighbors. Um, So everything we're talking about in this episode is not just confined to the home. It can even ripple out to work and things like planning an office party or a secret Santa exchange, or for those in the retail or service industry, dealing with stressed-out shoppers Mm -hmm. or diners or what have you. Right. Women in general place really high expectations on themselves. We know this, combined with the fact that for a lot of us, we grew up watching our grandmothers and our mothers doing this holiday labor, and we feel the need to fill that role, which is what you seem to be doing, Annie, and I refuse to do. All of this can be exacerbated by things like seasonal affective disorder, anxiety, or depression. And as I said, a lot of my own background is that I have a lot of trauma attached to this time of year. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I'm like, this is the worst holiday of the year, and I hate everything. <laughs> but I'm trying to get it together and uh-huh. become an adult. You're an and adult. Being like, and being like, I, 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 can, I can handle Christmas. I can like it. My mother, God bless her, she has tried for years because I've, I've never really liked it. Mm-hmm. And she's tried for years from guilting me to trying to make everything perfect for me to get me to like this holiday Mm -hmm. because she loves it so much. And, of course, they are very religious, and that has a whole different perspective for them as well. But, yeah, I think for me, this type of year, I want to ignore it. And Mm. I couldn't imagine what that would be like as a mother. Sure. That just, that terrifies me. I'm like, I'm going to fail as a mother (laughs) if I ever did become one because I don't enjoy these holidays. Mm. But I've been told as a single person, if you had kids, you would like this holiday more. You would understand. I can see I can see how it's both extremely stressful but can be extremely rewarding to right. make a child feel that right. type of joy. I know there's uh with my siblings who are divorced, competition in who can oh, give the most oh, to the kids. Oh sure. You know, or make them yeah. the happiest. Yeah, 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 yeah. I read about that that as well. It's fun. <laughs> That's one word for it. Um we do have some advice 
we try to end on on advice usually. Um, but first, we have one more quick break forward from our sponsor. Got to tell you about Best Fiends. It's the game pretty much everybody's talking about. Morgan number two plays it sometimes before we start the show. You know, it really challenges your brain with the fun puzzles, but it's also a very casual game, so it won't stress you out, which is perfect these days, right? What's great is you can use the game as a way to connect with your friends and your family, all while social distancing. The game is so much more than your average mobile puzzle game. It's five-star rated with over 100 million downloads, thousands of fun levels, and tons of characters to collect. You know, there are new in-game challenges and events every month, so the game's always fresh. You'll never be bored with it. You can even play the game without using Wi-Fi. So, here we go. You don't want to miss out on the game. Join millions of Americans and a lot of us here on the show who are already playing this fun puzzle game. Download Best Fiends for free on the Apple App Store or Google Play today. Just go over there, hit download Best Fiends for free. Apple App Store or Google Play. That's Friends Without the R, Best Fiends. Check it out. I do think you'll like it. Friends Without the R, Best Fiends. This episode is brought to you by China. The China brand provides premium disposable tableware to celebrate moments of togetherness. Yes, and right now that is more important than ever especially when we're all apart. So recently I had a group and we had a a socially distanced barbecue where the host drew out circles and chalk that were six feet apart and everyone showed up with their own chairs and beverages. And it was really convenient to have disposable products. And we we just had a a lovely conversation. Um, It was really fun. Yeah, and I'm with the disposable products. I know that the China brand provides durable and trusted products, which I have used before, that let you enjoy every moment of the get-togethers in traditional or now not. And there are classic white products that can work for any gathering or cut crystal plates and cups when you want to make something a little extra special. Disposable tableware keeps things simple and cleanup easy. Chinette products are available wherever you buy groceries, including delivery or pickup. And we're back. Thank you, sponsor. And yes, there are some tips out there. If the holidays are something that's stressful for you, yes, here we go. So my peoples, we yes. were all stressed out. So take time for self-care. And that might be whatever you want it to be. Reading, yoga, meditation, making time for friends, or for me, sitting in a fiddle position in the corner, waiting for the season to go away <laughs> in the darkness. Ooh, <laughs> very specific. I'm just saying. Hey, you know it works for you. Um, experts also recommend stepping back from social media if you find yourself feeling stressed. Um, we've talked about it before. Playing that comparison game is never good. Uh, it can make you feel like everyone is having a better holiday than you. Everyone did a, quote, better job than you. I love the comparisons. If you're not the one behind the holiday stuff... Find ways to support that person. Unasked, stock up on wrapping supplies, help with gift buying and wrapping, handle the cards, do the dishes. If a child is in the mix, figure out if they're going to need to bring dishes to school or something like that. Coordinate with the extended family. And of course, notice and express your gratitude. I mean, it is Christmas. Tis the season. Tis the season for that stuff. (laughs) Yes. Um, and, And again, I do want to say I actually really, really, really love cooking. I I love the decorations. I honestly think if I didn't do it one year, my brothers would not care. They wouldn't care at all. 
except about the food. But, like, the decorations, it's not their thing. But I really like it. Um, but I don't like that expectation that I'm the one that will do it. Um, planning this big meal with everybody's favorite thing, although, again, I have started to cut back on that. <laughs> um, yeah, and, and some things have, have prepped days before, and also I work, and they don't give us the day before Thanksgiving off. Um, getting all the ingredients, setting the table, it is a lot. Um, but I have turned it into a time that I get to spend with my mom, and we we listen to music, and we drink wine, and we talk, um, and I like it. It's one of my favorite things. I think that's my favorite thing yeah. about the holidays, spending that time with my mom. It still sucks that if one year I decided I really didn't want to do it, it wouldn't happen. Or either my mom would do it, and then I'd feel guilty about right. it. Um, but my notorious hatred of doing the dishes has led to me not doing them anymore. My brother and his fiance do them. So that is, it honestly is a huge relief. I hate doing the dishes. Is he doing it because his fiance suggested it? I don't know. Hmm. I have no way of knowing hmm. without asking. Um, but... I mean, he, in particular, he knows how much I hate doing the dishes right. because we got in a huge fight about it one year. So <laughs> I, I'm glad that that's gone away. Um, and yeah, until we start recognizing and valuing the work women do, this is going to be a thing. Right. And for yeah. those who have recognized yes. that this is what women do and have taken up part of the responsibility, good job. Yeah, yeah. Proud of you. Yeah. Like, and proud of you women that were doing it all along. Right. And, and yeah, speak up. Mm -hmm. Encourage others. Be an example. Right. Yeah. And we would love to hear LGBTQ plus stories as well um, because a lot of this was specifically heterosexual uh, situations. So, right. Yeah. Love to know how it plays out in different types of relationships. But well, that brings us to the end of this, our um, emotional labor holiday edition episode. Happy holidays. Yeah, happy holidays. <laughs> Hopefully they're not stressful, they're enjoyable, and more than a freaking fourth of you can relax. That blew my mind. It makes sense, yes. but wow. Um, if you want to hide, you can hide with me. Yeah. And if you want any company, Samantha, I'm always... Available. If you don't want me around, though, awesome. Oh, I have cool. this weird thing that I start watching holiday movies, but they're not really holiday movies. Oh, so Ooh. you know the the um, Iron back Man and 3? forth about Die Hard. Die Hard. Iron Is Man that 3. A, you know, I always <laughs> talk about that. But then Harry Potter for some reason puts Harry Potter all my as both uh, a Halloween and Christmas movie. Yeah, I find. yeah, I do that, and then I do watch horror movies just to be angry about not angry, but to put my emotions into something. And I'm like, there we go. Now I can do more destruction now with all of these horror films. There are a lot of Christmas horror movies. I'm just going to put that out there. I haven't watched any, I don't think. I might be on a panel about that actually coming up. Of course you Somebody are. asked me, like, do you have any examples? 20 examples. Okay, I think you might be good for this. <laughs> all right. Anyway, I did want to read some listener mail to close up. Everett wrote, I was really excited to see the episode about farming in your podcast feed. I love the show, by the way. Oh, thank you. I was excited because that's what I do. I'm still in school, but for a few weeks in the summer and on Saturdays in the academic year, I work with the Food Project. We're based out of Massachusetts in the North Shore and greater Boston. We do a lot of work related to the stuff you talked about, food justice and social justice, plus a youth component. A big part to me is how we bring people from across these communities and ensure we have a diverse group. Every summer, we hire 36 new high school-aged people in both our regions. For six weeks, they work together on our farms. 
They could be from a homogenous sheltered community or a more urban one where gardening isn't common or any other background. And we meet people that we wouldn't otherwise since the system doesn't tend to make communication between these places very easy. I love the food project, and I love the people. I consider it like family. We educate communities and the youth in our programs, and there's lots of opportunities for leadership by youth. We build raised bed gardens in urban communities that don't have a lot of access to fresh food, as well as distributing food at hunger relief organizations or through our farmer's market. We've done work with state programs to make farmer's markets more affordable, too. I could genuinely keep talking for three hours, so I'll leave a link to our website if you're interested, and that link is thefoodproject.org. That sounds like you're doing amazing work. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, um, food justice is something that's really important to me. Right. So this sounds really cool and we we appreciate you sharing it. Ruth wrote, I just listened to your female monster show and I thought of a couple of characters who are tangentially related to the topic. Neither are truly monsters, but they fit the parameters of a couple of the topics mentioned. The first is a character whose name escapes me, but she was played by Isabella Rossellini in the movie Death Becomes Her. I've been thinking about this movie for so yeah? long because I can't, I was like, why haven't we mentioned it? And then there, was, then I thought back, I was like, there are a lot of problems. Oh, I haven't seen it. Within that movie. And I think it's satire. It is satire oh, yeah, yeah. as well. But this whole becoming young, staying young, staying beautiful, staying thin, mm-hmm. like this is problematic. Mm-hmm. And of course it makes uh, the male character the hero. Sure. Mm-hmm. Um, of all of the whole thing kind of makes them look at bad guys. But it is a really good movie. Yeah, and I would, I mean, a lot of the monsters we mentioned, um, their ultimate goal was youth and yes. beauty. And yes. that's why they did the things, the monstrous things they so did. That's so. a perfect example. Yeah, I'll have Love to check it. it out. You haven't seen it? No. Oh my. <laughs> oh my. Uh, okay, anyway, Ruth continues. Um, about that. Uh, She is the character who gives two women, played by Goldie Hawn and Meryl Streep, the power of immortality and eternal youth, at a great price, of course. While not strictly speaking a monster, she plays on the fears of becoming old and ugly and losing their beauty. She gives them an, quote, elixir to drink, and things do not work out as they expect, I imagine. Um, There was an unexpected moral in the story, but the evil, beautiful witch remains. The second is more mundane, but it makes me stop and think about the naming of the character. In the TV show, Cheers, the most terrifying thing of all. No, just kidding. Uh, Fraser's wife is named Lilith. She is considered cold and calculating. She is a psychiatrist and very good at scaring the crap out of all of Fraser's friends. She's very pale, with very dark hair, played by the amazing B.B. Newworth. She's not a true villain, but she is portrayed in that light. Because she is different from other women, because she wants things her way, and because she's still beautiful, is the naming of the character symbolic? I don't know, but it gives me pause to think about a couple of characters I had otherwise passed by. Oh, also, there was a book written by an author named George MacDonald called Lilith, which was a novel about this evil woman from the biblical story. She's quite a monster in that one. I love Lilith. Yeah. Forever and ever. And I didn't realize, because I didn't watch the second season, and I just didn't pay attention, uh, Sabrina, the new one. Yeah? Lilith is one of yeah, the main yeah, characters. And I kind of completely forgot I about that. I did, too. Completely. And I was like, oh, yeah. hello. A friend of mine brought that up to me. I was like, oh, yeah. <laughs> I completely, like, because I hadn't watched it in so long from yeah. the first season. And then I never yeah. watched the second. And I just recently uh-huh. took it back up. And I was like, oh, oh, yeah. Yeah, She's yeah, Lilith. yeah. Yeah, I have got to say I'm loving all of these uh, 
Reference. Horror and yeah, please keep sending in suggestions. I was gonna say we're gonna talk about this until next Halloween. I I love it. I would absolutely do. You know I would. <laughs> um, and I always love a good recommendation for something to check out. Right. Um. So please keep sending those our way. Right. Uh. Just so you know, because we did have the conversation about cuffing. We've had a couple of texts talking to us about cuffing and other people, other podcasts mm-hmm. talking about it, as well as we got to mention, um, when they were showing us a whole list of like the seasons. Yeah. And it shows like fall as cuffing season this is what this is it was really cute I'll have to repost it but I liked it a lot uh-huh. um, while we're here we want to do some shout outs while we're thinking about stress and, and loving each other and it's the season Best Forever Pods which is a podcast by Alyssa who talks about friendships and the great stories behind them and it's so great because I think it's such a different take on how to maintain or just talk about amazing friendships that have happened or she brings on different guests talking about different subjects, and I think it's really cute. And also, Some Kind of Brown podcast, which is Natalie, who identifies herself as indigenous black woman, talks about race and ethnicity and being multiracial in the U.S., including interracial adoption, which is rare. And she's also highlighted November, I know it's over almost, um, as the Native Native American Awareness Month. And she has brought in uh, a whole series called Red November Mm -hmm. and bringing in different guests and having awesome, awesome, awesome episodes about that. So shout out to y'all. Yeah. We love it. Thank you. Yes. Thank you. And thanks to the listeners who wrote in. If you would like to write to us, we would love to hear from you. You can email us at stuffmediamomstuff at iheartmedia.com. You can also find us on Twitter at momstuffpodcast or on Instagram at stuffmomnevertoldyou. Thanks, as always, to our super producer, Andrew Howard. Thanks to you for listening. And we hope a lot more good things are coming your way. That's Lauren's thing. I don't know why I did it. Oh. But hey, go like check it. out Saver Pot as well. Go, go check out Saver, Brain Stuff, all the things. I, I do love hope it. A lot, a lot more good things are coming your Especially, way. Especially, I hope that the holidays are not as stressful. And if it is, that you have a chance to take in what you need to rest. Yes. That's a nice sentiment. Uh, <laughs> Stuff Mom Never Told You is a production of iHeartRadio's How Stuff Works. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Hi, I'm Amy Nelson. And I'm Sam Edis. We're the hosts of iHeart's newest podcast, What's Her Story with Sam and Amy. We both have our own businesses, and between us, we have seven children. And since the moment we met, we've been sharing our stories with each other. The thing is, we all know the stories of industry titans like Bezos and Jobs, but the stories of women, they remain incomplete. We ask questions no one else even touches. We are not afraid to get personal. So listen to What's Her Story with Sam and Amy on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Dear Young Rockers Season 2 is a raw, honest, strange, and entertaining story about finding yourself in your early 20s and a lifelong relationship with music. It's hosted by me, Chelsea Erson, and is executive produced by Jake Brennan of Disgraceland. Dear Young Rocker comes to you from Double Elvis Productions and iHeartRadio. Listen to Dear Young Rocker on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.